Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. I'd like these first few episodes to be a reference point for you, and it'll give me the opportunity to share with you how I started intermittent fasting and a little bit about my backstory with diabetes. So I've had diabetes since 1997, which is 24 years, and I'm 41 years old right now. When I was diagnosed, I was 17 years old. I was a freshman in college, and I had all the classic symptoms, which I wasn't really aware of at the time, but obviously I'm aware of now. I was sleeping a lot, and when I say sleeping a lot, I mean it was like 20 hours a day. I had uncontrollable thirst. I was going to the bathroom constantly. I remember it was actually a funny story. I was in the dorm at university with my roommate, and I just said to her, it was probably 10 o'clock at night or something like that, and I just said, I love water. I just love water so, so much. And she just said, I think there's something wrong with you. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say how much they love water, but that's really how I felt. I just could not drink enough water. I had a lot of insecurity and anxiety around water. I always had to have water by my bed. When I went outside, I had water with me at all times. I was probably going to the bathroom 20 plus times a day. I was waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. My vision was getting very, very blurry and I was losing a lot of weight even though I didn't really have any weight to lose. At that point, I went to the health center on campus and I said, I have all these issues, I'm skipping class. I used to be a straight A student, so that was very unlike me. And I just said, I'm barely waking up. I used to be a cross country runner, track, swimming, you name it, I played rugby. I was doing every kind of activity under the sun I was extremely active and I always had been all through high school and I I wasn't sure what was wrong with me. Diabetes never even crossed my mind because, well, first of all, I was 17 years old at the time. The only experience I'd had with diabetes was when I was a kid, one of our family friends, their daughter had diabetes. She was a little bit older than me. She had been diagnosed when she was extremely young, probably toddler age. And I used to see her giving herself injections and I just thought, oh my God, this is the worst thing in the whole world. I feel so sorry for her. I can't imagine how she injects herself so many times a day. So I really had no experience with diabetes. When I went to the health center and I told them all of my symptoms, they said, well, you just moved away from home. You're at school. It's very stressful. You have a full course load. You have a job. Maybe you're just really stressed out. So why don't you try to manage your stress levels and you should be okay. I mean, you're in good shape. You're obviously a very active person. There's no reason that you should have anything wrong with you. You're perfectly healthy. So they sent me away and I continued to not get better. I actually had a job on campus at the time and you know I've worked many, many jobs over the course of my life. But at this particular point in time, I worked at a vending machine restocking company 
the campus had a bunch of vending machines and every day from people from this company would go and restock the machines and take money out of the Coke machines, candy machines, whatever. One of my jobs was to kind of manage the stock room to make sure that everything was in its place so people could come and grab stuff before they went out to go restock the machines. And anyway, this is an aside, but it's kind of funny. They had a huge cardboard box at the entrance of this warehouse area and they put just barely expired candy bars, bear claw donuts, chips, all kind of sweets and junk food, anything you could possibly imagine. And there were always Cokes, just everything that you'd find in the vending machine in this warehouse storeroom, in this cardboard box. So I would, I would bring it home to my roommate and I mean, there was no reason why you couldn't eat it. It was, it was just barely expired. And we were poor college kids, and in order to eat, we'd have to go to the cafeteria, which was a little bit far from our dorm. So a lot of the time, we would just eat this junk food instead of real meals. So if you can imagine, before being diagnosed, I was just eating a bunch of candy bars, which is definitely the worst thing you can do if you have diabetes and just in general. Anyway, I was at my job, and even though I was skipping classes, I was... And I was very, very ill, as you can imagine, but I still had a very strong work ethic and I did not want to miss going to my job. So I went there and my boss, who was a very, very lovely woman, and I think about her often to this day, she had type two diabetes and she had a blood glucose monitor. I told her all about my symptoms and I said, I think I'm gonna have to cut back on hours. I was just so tired all the time and I was just having a hard time doing anything. And she said, can I test your blood sugar? I have my meter here and I just said, okay. And just to let you guys know, before I was diagnosed with diabetes, I was just petrified of needles. In fact, in middle school, they took blood from us to test our blood type. And when they pricked my finger, I just passed out on the floor. I, I could not stand the sight of needles. Obviously at this point in my life, having had diabetes for as long as I have, it's not a problem anymore. But back then it was, so I let her test my blood sugar and it was something like 600, which I didn't have any experience with diabetes at the time. Obviously now I know that's a crazy high number. But anyway, she turned just ghost white and she said to me, you need to go back to the health center and you need to have them check your blood sugar. Your blood sugar is very, very high and this is a big deal. You need to get this done. And so I went back to the health center and I said, can you please test my blood sugar? And I don't think they actually tested me with a, a finger stick. I think they did it with a blood draw. So I had the blood draw done and then I went back to my dorm. And the next day, and you know, if there's any healthcare professionals listening to this, I'm sure you will be horrified. The nurse or the doctor, whoever it was from the health center called me and said, we got your test results back and you have type one diabetes, which I just think is the most horrible and absurd thing that somebody would make this diagnosis over the phone, but that's what happened. And so this person said, you need to go to the hospital and they'll tell you what types of things you need to do in order to manage your diabetes. And I just put the phone down and I screamed and I cried and it was just a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, anybody else who's been diagnosed with diabetes, you, you know the feeling. And so I had almost no energy at that point, and the hospital was probably about a mile away from my dorm. So I asked my roommate, who was a total sweetheart during this situation, if she would walk me there. I was afraid that I wouldn't make it. I was afraid that I would have to stop and take a nap on the way there. 
And anyway, she walked me to the hospital and they put me on insulin and they told me what to do. They gave me some syringes, an automatic injector, and then they sent me on my way. And at that point, I think I was on Humulin, you know, clouding regular NPH, which I stayed on for a little while. And over time, I've switched to different insulins, which I'll tell you about more later. But that's how I was originally managing my diabetes. And, and back in those days in the late 90s and actually up until I got a CGM, I was probably only testing my blood sugar four, maybe five times a day. So I would test it in the morning when I woke up, before lunch, maybe after lunch, maybe before dinner, maybe after dinner, maybe at bedtime. And sometimes I'd skip those, it just depended. The strips were expensive at the time and it wasn't like the way it is now where you just need like a tiny little bit of blood on a strip. Back then it was, you had to milk your entire, you know, all the blood out of your whole entire finger to get it to work on the strip. And half the time the, it wouldn't be enough blood and then the strip would be ruined and then you'd have to do it again. And also the meters are, were not like they are nowadays. You know, nowadays it takes five seconds. Back then you'd be stuck waiting for a minute to see your results. Nine times out of 10, it wasn't, there wasn't enough blood. So it was just a giant hassle. So I didn't test my blood sugar all that often. You know, like I said, maybe four times a day. Later, as the blood glucose meters improved, I tested more, maybe up to like 10 times a day, but still it was only 10 times a day versus close to 300 times a day that I test now with my CGM. But even though I wasn't testing too often, my A1C was not horrible. It was around seven, seven and a half, which is pretty good because nobody really told me how to manage my diabetes. It was all trial and error. I remember in the early days, especially uh, getting quite a few low blood sugars, really bad ones. And they were the kind, I'm sure some of you can identify with this, when they're in the middle of a dream, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just soaked in sweat and you eat the entire kitchen and then you wake up because you didn't really correct for all the foods you ate in the middle of the night and your blood sugar is like four or 500 in the morning. And I, I had a lot of situations like that. Thankfully now with the protocol that I'm on, that stuff doesn't really happen anymore, but that's kind of the way things started off for me and it was like that for you know, a pretty decent chunk of time. And I'm sure a lot of you guys can identify with this story, especially if you've had diabetes for a little while. Luckily now, obviously the technology has improved quite a bit and I feel so much better about people that are getting diagnosed nowadays versus back when I was diagnosed. And I'm sure the people that are listening to this that were diagnosed even earlier than me have even more war stories. So that's, that's my story of type one diabetes and how I was diagnosed. And let's move uh, on to how I manage my diabetes today. So for a very long time, I went without wanting to have any kind of gadgets attached to me. I was very self-conscious about it. Remember, I was diagnosed when I was 17 and I was getting into my early 20s and things like that when I just really didn't want to have anything attached to me. Also, I was very active and the thought of having a pump with all this tubing attached to me, I didn't understand how that was gonna work with my activity levels. And then the idea of a CGM on top of that was just like, no, I don't wanna have all of these things attached to me. My endocrinologist, I've been through quite a few over the years, would always say, these technologies will really help you. But as I said, I was very, very resistant to them. And so I think it was about 10 years ago when I finally got my first pump 
and it was the Animus Ping from Johnson & Johnson, and they've since stopped making them. So that was my first insulin pump. I didn't have a CGM until probably about four years ago. It hasn't actually been that long now that I think about it. So I would do the manual st finger sticks when I first got my pump, and at the time I was on Humalog, by the time I got my pump, I was probably testing my blood sugar like 10 times a day, and that's how it was up until I got my CGM. So I was on Humalog for a majority of the time that I had diabetes, probably 19, 20 years of having diabetes, I was on Humalog. And so then at some point in time, Johnson Johnson decided they wanted to discontinue making the ping. So I moved to Medtronic 670G, and that one I believe was the first iteration of their algorithm, which had auto mode, and it was attached to their Guardian CGM. So the CGM and the pump would coordinate with each other to make insulin decisions for you. And if you had it in this thing called auto mode, it would do that. I used that for a few months, and candidly, I didn't like it. It would always kick me out of auto mode so the pump and the CGM wouldn't speak to each other and I would find myself with very, very high blood sugars, mainly because it wasn't auto automatically correcting. And I think the basal rates that I had programmed were wrong. So it was partially user error from me because I didn't put in the right settings and partially errors from the pump getting kicked out of the system quite a bit. So long story short, I probably only stayed on that pump for three or four months. I just had a really terrible time with it. Right around the time I was thinking about getting rid of the Medtronic 670G, I saw a woman in the lobby of my office building and she had a Dexcom on her arm. And I went up to her and I said, hi, I see you have a Dexcom on your arm. I'm a type one diabetic as well. And she said, oh, that's so cool. Thanks for stopping me. I really love to see other diabetics out in the wild. <laughs> and I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's how she phrased it. And I saw that she was looking at something on her phone when I, when I stopped her and it was like a blood sugar, but it looked different. And I said, well, what are you, what are you looking at? What are you doing? And she said, oh, I just built this loop yesterday and it's a DIY system with an algorithm with the Omnipod and, and Dexcom CGM. And I had heard a little bit about it, but I really wasn't too familiar with it. And she told me the, the basics. It, it, you tell it how much insulin you'd like to give you in certain situations, you set targets, you enter carbs. And at that point, I just, I, I, I was very confused. But she planted the seed in my head and I really wanted to get off this Medtronic pump. So I went to the doctor and we talked about Omnipod and I got on the Omnipod and I borrowed a friend's Apple computer and I built the Loop app. And ever since then, I've been on Loop and I love Loop. Now, obviously Loop has a lot of issues since it's DIY. It's, it took me a little while to figure out how to build it. You know, it's, it's time intensive. And you also have to constantly keep up to date with the build. And there are many refreshes. And in fact, just recently I was out and walking around and my Loop just stopped working. It just said, Loop is no longer available. So it was still giving me the basal rate in the background, but the rest of the system was down. I couldn't give myself insulin from my pump anymore. So aside from the basal, I had to give manual injections for boluses until I could figure out what was going on. So it's just, a, it's still, you know, very much a, a DIY system and there were some headaches that go along with it. Now, however, my A1C is 
better than it's ever been. I just had it checked and it was at 5.3, which I think is the lowest I've ever had it. And I attribute this lower A1C to a couple things. First, it's, it's loop. Ever since I got on loop, my A1C has been sub six. And then the other part, which has really driven it down to this 5.3 level, which is amazing for me, is intermittent fasting. And obviously intermittent fasting is going to be what this podcast will primarily be about. So that's the protocol I'm on now. I use Omnipod with Dexcom CGM, and I also use Fiasp insulin. Fiasp insulin is a little bit of a faster acting insulin than Humalog, just for those of you who haven't heard it. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of information about my starting weight and then some of this other stuff related to intermittent fasting. As I told you, I've always been a very active person. I never really struggled with my weight in high school. I think I weighed something like 90 something pounds, which sidebar I'm back to now, which I still can't believe. Anyway, I've stayed very active to this day. It's very important to me. You know, however, when you're an adult, you get very busy and you work and you have other obligations. Sometimes working out is not a priority. Sometimes your eating gets off track. So I noticed that I would always get up to around 123 pounds, which I want to give you some frame of reference. I'm 4'11". If you go to the BMI chart, 123 pounds is right before you tip over into the overweight category. So I would either stop myself at 123 and bring myself back down to a quote unquote normal range, or if I know I got beyond 123, which has happened many times, I just stopped weighing myself. And before going more into my weight loss story, I just want to state for the record that my high weight, or when I would stop weighing myself around 123 pounds, I realize is a pretty good weight for a lot of other people. And I'm not judging anybody. That's just for me what my high weight has been. Obviously other people have different stories and different circumstances and I'm not judging at all whatsoever. I just wanna put that out there for the record. So probably for the last 12 or 13 years, my pattern has been to get up to 123, get down to something like 113, six months up, six months down, six months up, six months down. And that's been my pattern. And to do this, I've always tried different diets and different weight loss strategies. And in the next episode, I'll bring you through some of the history of the diets that I've been on, because I think some of you will understand and some of those things will resonate with you. I'm sure that my journey is, is quite familiar to a lot of you that are listening. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.